Today we're going to explore the vital role that passion plays in learning and the unique capacity of the arts to inspire passion-driven learning and meaningful connections. To dive deeper into this subject, the EdCast was lucky enough to have Steve Seidel guest host the show. He is a member of the HGSC faculty and faculty chair of the Arts and Passion Driven Learning Institute, happening in collaboration with Silk Road August 1st through the 3rd on the HGSC campus. Here you'll listen to Professor Seidel sit down with Christina Pato, a member of the Institute's faculty and the Silk Road Ensemble. Enjoy their conversation. It's great to be here today with my friend and colleague, Christina Pato. We're here to talk about the arts and passion-driven learning, a topic that Christina and I have been talking about for years and a topic that has been the, the central concern of an institute that we're both involved with here at the Graduate School of Education at Harvard. Christina, I wonder if you could, um, just as we begin, share a little bit about your background and how you came as a musician and an educator to your work with the Silk Road Ensemble. Well, hello, Steve. And um, to make a long story short, I, I had two lives. One as a traditional musician playing bagpipes, the specific bagpipes of Galicia in the northwest corner of Spain, and another life as a classical pianist who went through a typical path of classical music through uh, conservatories in Spain, and then I moved to the U.S. to get my doctorate in classical piano. And when you play an instrument that is so particularly specific to one region of the world, in the process of playing concerts all around the world, you, you have to learn ways of sharing your tradition and sharing how your instrument matters to your tradition. So I guess I became an educator in the process of being a performing artist, and then I became an educator. I met Silk Road uh, 11 years ago, once I was here at the US, and uh, with Silk Road, I began seeing the power of world music as a way to understand how something that is so close to you, so uh, that makes you so passionate about your culture, could be powerful also in other environments. And this is why we are here, I guess. Yes. Um, tell us just a little bit about the ensemble. Give us a little bit of a picture of what it, what it means to be a member of the Silk Road Ensemble. So Yo-Yo Ma, maybe 17 years ago, he started this project that is called the Silk Road Ensemble, the Silk Road Project. He wanted to use the metaphor of the Silk Road uh, to, to just show how cultures are connected and how all together could say more than individually. Uh, Silk Road Ensemble right now is a collective of ensemble members of musicians from all around the world that shared a passion for music and for people and an enormous curiosity and and we all I think we all learn from the generosity Jojo Ma has given us in the last 17 years. So the wonderful thing about the ensemble is also that it's not a permanent position. You are not always working with them. You have a couple of times a year in which you meet for tours or for educational experiences. But whatever happens in that environment is something that you take to your independent life and then back to the ensemble and then back to your life. So it's a constant learning process in which every experience is shared and taken back to your environment. Well, beautiful. And you've just talked about both passion and learning as constants in the, in the life of the ensemble. 
and I met the ensemble, I think it's about nine years ago now that uh, I had my first conversation with them when they, the ensemble came for a residency here at Harvard, where it is in residence, but came for a residency uh, at the School of Education for the very first time. And uh, I want to share a little bit about that uh, first conversation I ever had with members of the ensemble, because it, it brings together uh, this idea of passion and learning. Um, so we agreed when we were designing the residency that we would have a uh, public conversation about what it means to be artists who teach. Artists who teach is a, uh, a topic that has been of of deep interest to me for many years, and I've been involved in what I call slow research on, on that topic, because I believe that artists have um, very particular and very powerful sets of insights into what it means to learn, grow, and develop, which is so central to the long-term life and vibrancy of any artist. Um, and that with that kind of reflection and uh, commitment to long-term learning and uh, comes a, a whole set of insights. And I wanted to try to pull those insights out in a public conversation about artists who teach. So I met with, she's um, uh, eight or so members of the ensemble at dinner the night before this event and said, you know, tomorrow we're going to talk publicly about what it means to be artists who teach, <laughs> and the ensemble was absolutely sullen. Everyone <laughs> wouldn't talk, wouldn't say anything, and then finally Johnny, who was sitting next to me, Johnny Gandelsman, said, um, I don't think of myself as a teacher. And we went around and everyone made the same disclaimer, I'm not a teacher. Uh oh. <laughs> But that night, I went to a rehearsal, and I watched them working with Harvard undergraduates and working with each other, and um, it was totally clear to me that they were actually really beautiful teachers, that the quality of teaching and learning going on in that rehearsal and every rehearsal I've come to since then was so moving and so nuanced and so thoughtful and so sensitive. So it was clear that there was a big gap between my idea of what it means to be an artist who teaches and their idea of what it means to, what it means to teach. And um, we've been in that conversation, I think, ever since, uh, trying to understand what it is artists bring to, as insight and as practice to the work of teaching. And Yo-Yo uh, has, I've heard Yo-Yo talk for a long time about this notion of passion-driven learning, which I think describes him, but also the ensemble really beautifully. But that's a phrase that you've heard him use, of course, and I'm wondering what that phrase means to you. Well, when I think about passion, I think about how emotions are so powerful and how much an emotion can stay for you forever. And even if the emotion is is related to sadness or to joy, uh, emotions are very contagious. And and when I think about passion, I think about something that that has an emotional impact on me. And if if you think about that in in the process of being a musician, for example, and how many joyful and sadful moments you have in your life, um, 
unless you have that passion to continue and to address the things you want to say with your instrument or with your music, it's impossible not to not to stop on the way if you don't have that passion. And passion-driven learning for me is is related to that. Is related to the way uh, the arts in general, and in my particular case, music can actually speak things that words cannot speak and can actually go make you go through uh, feelings and through sensations that you could not uh, describe uh, with words. And if you put that in, a, in an educational environment, uh, isn't, isn't that the most powerful thing to have? I mean, something that actually can make an, an educational experience memorable for the rest of your life. And that for me is what passion-driven learning is, is making an emotional moment for people. Yeah, I'm glad that you talk about emotion. And this is um, really the kind of insight that is exactly at the heart of my interest in talking with artists who teach because you know, in, in way too much edu educational conversation, we have difficulty actually talking about the role of emotion in, in learning. Um, it's been my feeling for a very long time that if you can open the heart, you might have an opportunity to open the mind in a different way than if you go straight to the mind. Um, in any case, uh, we have been having this conversation uh, for quite a while, and about uh, five or six years ago, it became a, a conversation about how could we uh, continue to talk about the intersection of the arts and passion-driven learning in the context of gatherings uh, with arts educators from around the country and around the world. And we designed the Arts and Passion-Driven Learning Institute, which we've been conducting here at the Harvard Graduate School of Education ever since, uh, getting ready for our fifth institute this summer. And you'll be back with us again. Five already. Wow. Yeah. So you've been with us the whole time. And I'm curious. Um, you know, what were there surprises to you in participating on the faculty of this institute? And what keeps you coming back? You, summer is a busy time, but <laughs> it you've is. been with us <laughs> each year. Well, I think one of the most fascinating things about the, um, the group of people the Summer Institute puts together is, is we come from completely different backgrounds. People related to educational fields, uh, teaching artists like myself. And even if you just ask the same question you ask me, what is passion-driven learning, to every ensemble member that was involved in the Summer Institute, you probably will get a, a different version from each one of them. And that's the beauty of this institute, that every year you get to to learn a lot from people that know a vocabulary that you don't know. And that for me is, is the reason I come back constantly and the reason um, this keeps me uh, curious and passionate about a topic that I didn't know I was so passionate about. And that process of discovery, I think, is a process we all had at the Silk Road Ensemble. Every ensemble member that was involved uh, somehow in the Summer Institute, as a teaching artist or even as, as just as a musician or a member or a participant, we we all felt connected in a way we didn't expect to. And in my personal case, that actually led me to 
rethink my career after 20 years of, per of being a performing artist and think about what is, what is the next step, what are the things that I want to do with that passion, that power to teach that we all have as musicians, and how many of those tools could be used in a different musical environment too. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you've been doing a workshop uh, at the Institute for m m all of these years, really, with Ko Umazaki, and maybe you could describe that a little bit. I think my work with Ko started um, as a way to, to let me actually think about it, because I think we started having a piece together that is called Bojo, and that piece uh, was a commission that Silroad made to us, to, to Ko and myself, to connect two instruments that that we thought could never work together. The Japanese sakuhachi, that is his main instrument, and the Galician bagpipe. And just for the listeners, uh, the Japanese sakuhachi is a meditative instrument used to play it alone in Japan, and is a very specific sound connected to solitude and to being by yourself. And on the other side of things, you have the Galician bagpipe, which <laughs> is like 120 dBs, <laughs> an instrument that is very loud and is, is thought to be a community instrument, an instrument that brings people together for joyful moments or for, for sad moments, but it's the opposite side of the balance. So from the process of creating this piece together, uh, Ko and I started to see what are the things we actually learned through writing a piece that we were commissioned to write. And we focused on the, um, on the topic of trust, which has, I believe it was one of the main framing questions of the first year of the Institute. And uh, since then, we have developed not only a way of working together, but also we were lucky enough to have Tina Blythe as our mentor during the first two years. And that's another thing. I mean, we are teaching artists in the institute, but we are also learners. And all the things I have learned from Tina Blythe, not only working with her as a mentor in that a specific workshop, but also uh, being a participant in her making, uh, making learning visible workshop at the institute has been a wonderful path for me. And that, that um, workshop Ko and I teach together has been evolving through the years because we were talking about emotion before and we were lucky enough that four years ago uh, we were sent to a um, reservation in Lame Deer, Montana, a northern Cheyenne reservation. And this was part of another educational project of the President's Committee on the Arts and the Humanities. And when we landed there, Ko Umezaki, Shane Shanahan, who is a percussionist from the ensemble, and myself, we understood that we may have a lot of tools as musicians, but we needed to use other tools as persons in order to connect to those kids in Lame Deer, Montana. And to make a long story short, our workshop right now is, is focused on that. What are, the, what are the tools we can find as artists uh, to work in environments that are not so lucky or so easy to work with and we have been addicted to go back to lame deer and and it's a project that i hope we can continue for many years yes my understanding is that the initial uh connection with lame deer uh was really just for uh one or two or maybe three visits i can't remember but that this is now four years that you've been going back and that you intend to continue going back 
It is, and this was part of a problem, uh, a problem also, but a program um, that is called Turnaround Arts, in which they wanted to target the, I think it was the eight lowest performing schools in the country, and to use the arts to try to prove that they could turn around uh, the the um, process of of learning of the school. And sadly, Lame Deer was not a, a story of success. And the project that started this, um, it had a, like a two-year pilot program, and then they will move on to another school. And in that process, uh, Laurie Taylor from Cell Road and and Co and Shane and myself decided that we actually wanted to keep working in that school, and Cell Road project was, was generous enough to support that job. Well, you know, I... I have tremendous respect for that decision. I think that um, once you, you've begun to establish a relationship with young people in particular in a community, uh, it is very important to try to find ways to sustain that relationship. It becomes very meaningful to them. I also think that for you and for the young people and their teachers and their families, the the sustained relationship becomes a kind of uh, environment itself, a community itself, in which a whole other level of learning can begin to take place. And this is part of my commitment to the Institute as a, um, a long-term experiment. I sometimes think of it as a pop-up laboratory. There's nothing there. And then for three days in this summer, there are almost 150 of us together exploring a particular question related to the arts and passion-driven learning. You and I have not even talked about this yet, but we're exploring a question this, this year about the practice of listening. When does hearing, just taking in sound, become real listening? to sound, to word, to meaning, to emotion, to each other, to our similarities, but also to our differences. So we're, we're establishing the ground for this year's um, pop-up lab, and it's great to be back with you in this conversation, and I'm very, very much looking forward to the conversation that you and I and a hundred or so other people will have this <laughs> summer. <laughs> On, on these questions. So Christina, thank you for being with us here this morning and for the long-term conversation. Thank you, Steve, for being the guru behind all of this and for making all of this happen and also to for giving us the, the opportunity to learn through all the learning processes you have gone through in your life and for me the um, opportunity of learning about Paulo Freire or Carolina Rinaldi or, or many other educators that because I don't have any background as an educator it has been an enlightening process and I just have to thank you for that well, my joy my pleasure <laughs> thanks Christina thanks to them both this has been a special edition of the Harvard EdCast a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education if you're interested in attending this upcoming program, go to gse.harvard.edu and click on the Professional Education tab. Application deadline is May 2nd. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you for listening. <laughs>